0: Welcome to the Woodshop Life podcast, a bi-weekly podcast focused on the craft of woodworking. I'm Hui Huin of the Alabama Woodworker, and I'm joined by my friends, Sean Walker of Simpleco. How's it going, fellas? How's it going, Sean? Hey. And Guy Dunlop of Guy's Woodshop. Hey. hey. This podcast is intended to answer your questions, the woodworking community, and give you some of our perspectives on how we get things done in our own shops. We also have a Patreon campaign, and we'd like to thank... Chris Gypson. Thanks, Chris. And if you'd like to show your support, simple, we're just simply asking for a small donation to cover the cost of bringing you this podcast. Please go to patreon.com forward slash woodshoplife if you'd like to show your support. And please stick around towards the end of the show. We're going to briefly talk about what each of us have going on in our own shops. So let's get right into it. Guy, you've got the first question.
1: All right. This question comes from Tom. And Tom says, I have a Delta 14-inch bandsaw. Pretty typical, and I've had it for about 35 years. Holy (laughs) cow, I just realized how old I am. (laughs) Anyway, it's pretty basic and lacks any features to keep the tires from gumming up as I am cutting. Do you have any advice on devices, brushes, etc. that I can add to keep them clean as I use the saw? I do connect the shop vac to the dust port. That helps, but... I still find I have to scrape the wheels and uh, using you instead of Google or Pinterest for this one. Tom. <laughs> um, I tried doing something with this, like this with my old uh, jet 14 inch bandsaw,
0: mm-hmm. And
1: I tried a toothbrush mounted to a piece of wood. It, none of it really worked well hmm. because I could okay. never really, I mean, if I would have tried welding something to the frame, maybe,
0: yeah, yeah, I
1: see. jury rigging something, it just it just never lasts. And to be honest with you, I, you know, if every time I use the saw, as I got done with it, like I do with all my tools, I brush them off and clean them, yeah, and I just always just took a wire brush to the to the wheels and got all that pitch and resin off before it built up. Mm-hmm. I guess that's probably the best piece of advice I can give. What what about you, Lee? Have you had a a saw like this?
0: So I've had a 14-inch jet saw that I refurbished, and it did not have any brushes or anything to uh, prevent the tires from gumming up. Now, the saw that I do have now is a 17-inch Grizzly, which both of us have had Guy. Well, I still have mine. You have the Powermatic now. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it has brushes on the uh, exit area. So the exit cut of the bandsaw blade. So there are a couple brushes there. And then there are also brushes, I believe, uh, up in the upper um, wheel housing, I think. I'm not exactly sure, but there are brushes. Uh, But I can't ever remember having a lot of gumming up in my jet bandsaw and it might have been that i just didn't get to use it nearly as much as maybe i use the grizzly right now the 17 inch uh but i i don't ever have issues with that and i do remember that one of the first things that i did with my bandsaw that i refurbished was i replaced the the tires with polyurethane tires does that sound Mm -hmm. correct
1: Yeah. yeah
0: polyurethane tires and i did notice that uh, with the polyurethane tires, not that I have anything to compare it to. I just know that the polyurethane tires do not get sticky and I have polyurethane tires on my grizzly as well. And I believe guy, you had polyurethane tires on the grizzly, right?
1: Yeah. I've got them on the, the pot, the power also that came with.
0: Um, so I don't know of the other, I know there are polyurethane tires, but then there's something else. Well, and just regular rubber, rubber tires.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, So maybe try changing out the tires. I don't know. Is that a possibility? Yeah. I had a 14 inch Porter cable that had these,
2: um, had a little brush attachment that you would screw on and it had a screw that held it in place. It was on a metal bracket. And the problem that I had is it, it would constantly move and never touch the tire. No matter how, how many times I put it back in place, you know, it would vibrate or something. and It would just always move and not touch the, touch the wheel. I only had it on the bottom wheel. Um, Hmm. On the tire uh so i always had the same exact issue of having it would build up scrape it off i switched it out for the poly tires uh that was fun to put on um and it could have just been that i didn't keep it very long after that when i got my hammer but it was less of an issue on those um mm. but it but yeah the the little brush device doesn't work very well on there i still was left mm. Scraping it and, and manually cleaning it. And and like Guy was saying, it's best if if you are having a lot of buildup to just stay on top of it, you know, maybe more often than instead of letting it build up, it's going to help and yeah. not be as hard to get off.
1: Because yeah, once it builds up, that's mm-hmm. pretty much it. That's You're not going to get it off.
2: No, I've taken yeah. razor blades to it and and all that stuff, but the little brush that I have just does not help. So I maybe you can get a better one than I had, but I, I wouldn't waste any any money on that because it definitely didn't help mine at all.
1: Mm. Mm. Yeah, so I just take a used to take a wire brush to mine and clean them off that way, and it, yeah. they lasted you know, like ten years or so. I didn't have any issues. They were the regular rubber tires; they, they were not polyurethane on mm. that. So, mm-hmm. so interesting. Interesting.
0: Well, uh, I hope that helps. Our next question is from Sean. All right. Let's see one or two, one or two. Let's go with one.
2: Hey guys, don't want you to run out of questions. So here's another one. When and how often do you sharpen your hand tools? I don't really like sharpening and I find myself going through chisels to find a sharp one and using that favorite plane, although it's not sharp anymore because I'm telling myself that it's not worth it yet to get those stones wet. What's your balance should i just buy new tools when they're not sharp anymore just kidding <laughs> although i would love to jonas we are we're just alike I, I i pick through okay i'll use a three-quarter oh the half of work oh, okay that quarter inch and i'm like man i got the eighth inch chisel but do i really want to eh, let me try it I'm, I'm just like you um but you know sometimes when i when i first started woodworking and sharpening and stuff and versus where I'm at now, which is probably just a little bit above a beginner. Um, you don't, is it an issue first of all of, do you know what sharp really is? Can I, what what sharp really is? Excuse me. I ask this because unless you're getting the sharpening down, it's hard to know if you're doing it right. If it's a bad technique or if it's just a low quality chisel that won't hold an edge. Uh, so that, that's kind of the first thing that I struggle with. Um, but that, that may not be an issue on your part, Jonas. I just, I'm, that's, that's one thing to throw out there is, you know, if you've got a technique down and you know, that's just, you know, I hate to say it just laziness because like I'm lazy and hate to sharpen, but you know, I, I think it's important to sharpen and sharpen often, uh, even if you're mainly a power tool woodworker, and especially if you're a power tool woodworker, because you oftentimes you get less practice at sharpening and you need to build that muscle memory. Uh, the more your chisels, you know, the more of your chisels that you go through before sharpening, the longer it's going to take the next time you get everything sharpened, which means you're going to want to put it off. So if you go through the three quarter, then the half, then the quarter, and now you got three chisels that are dull, and then keep moving on and stuff, it, it's going to take you longer. And the duller they are, the lower the grit you got to go through to get it back out to that, to that nice honed edge. Uh, and the same thing with with hand planes as well. If I know that I'm going to be, you know, using it for smoothing rails and styles on a door. I like to start out with the sharp plane iron so that I have a reference for how the surface looks as well as the resistance while pushing the plane over the wood. And once the surface starts to look dull and it's not quite as shiny or if it's harder to push the plane over, you know, I stop and sharpen because, again, I just got to touch up the edge. I don't have to go from 1,000 to 5,000, 8,000 to the scrop. I can just go back to the 8,000 and then back to sharp. and I don't have to keep going back and forth down to the lower right. grits. Just makes it faster. Uh, -hmm. and and you know, and plus another factor that makes me second guess, uh, stopping is I use a jig. I don't freehand. So maybe try to learn how to freehand and it's just, and then it's really, it's not a big deal. You know, just bring it out, sharpen, put them back up and you're back to work. If that's another thing that that's stopping you from sharpening, which stops me to be honest. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, but
2: I say all of that, um, to, to say that sharpen often. And you're, you know, it's a, it's a good habit to get into and it's going to make you enjoy your tools more. And, um, it's just, it's worth it in the long run. Um, Pui, what about you? What do you think? How often do you sharpen
0: when you're in the shop working and using your tools? So I wouldn't say that I sharpen often, but I definitely sharpen because I feel as though the tool needs it. Um, I, I feel that my plain irons, I'm sharpening more often, whereas my chisels, I probably would let go. Maybe a little bit longer, unless I'm doing some really fine detail work. Uh, but if I'm just just doing some chopping, I, I'm not. I do sharpen my chisels. I don't just let them go dull. <laughs> but I might, I might not sharpen them after, uh, at the start of every use. You know, if if I only used it a little bit I, last time, and I know it looks still sharp. And the thing is, a nice thing about chisels, I I, I kind of like. Uh, maybe I'm not supposed to do this. I don't know. But I kind of like to run my finger. Up towards the back of the back of the blade to see if there's any sort of burr or rolling over of the blade, and if there are there is, I'll I'll flatten that back really quick to to see how sharp it is after that uh, with a strop. But if it's still not mm, not really sharp, then I will go back to the uh, the plane irons or uh, not plane irons. I'm sorry, um, diamond stones. Uh, but for the most part, I'm not sharpening. At the beginning of every use. But I will do that with plane irons. Especially like with a smoothing plane. Guy, how about you?
1: Well, I I don't sharpen that much because I don't use hand tools that much. I use my chisels quite a bit. Yeah. Um, And I sharpen those with shaft and glass stones maybe once a year. Yeah, yeah. The other they stay time,
0: sharp, right?
1: Well, I I I use a leather strop.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Same, same.
1: With some of that green compound on it, and mm-hmm. every time I use them, I just touch it up with that real quick, and uh, they're sharp enough for me. <laughs> um, yeah. And yeah, you know, uh, my plain irons, I do sharpen. More often? More often. I, But I really, realistically, only use basically three planes. I've got my Lee Nielsen uh, jack plane, which is like a, what, a number 62? Is that right? Yeah,
0: sounds yeah. about right. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I've got a Lee Nielsen 104, which is a little tiny block plane. Mm-hmm. And my number four stanley which is an old 25 dollar oh, sorry that's thunder you might be hearing in the background here oh um, wow
0: well you um, got that low angle lee valley one too don't you veritas don't you
1: the a smoothing plane yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but i don't use it that often yeah yeah okay so you use your stanley i've probably. got other planes too that i just don't use that often um yeah. those are the three planes i use the most with the lee Milson block plane being used the, the absolute most i use that quite a bit actually mm-hmm. um i touched that up quite a bit
0: mm-hmm.
1: on i have it at work so i don't have my my shapton glass stones there but i have some uh diamond stones there and i've got the the, the extra fine or extra extra, extra, extra fine, fine. <laughs> whatever the hell it is just yeah. just to, to get a little and i just do it by hand but oh, nice. I, you know, flatten the back real quick, and then I'll, I'll, I'll put an edge on it real quick, and it works fine. Um, it, yeah, I, th- I think
0: it's important to be able to get back to work fast. It's kind of nice that you have those extra fine and extra extra fine yeah. stones at well, work. Well, I, I just
1: hate breaking everything out and spending a whole afternoon yeah. doing nothing but sharpening.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I just there.
1: I don't want to do it so. If a a chisel or a plant iron gets that bad, I'll bring it home and I'll spend maybe a half hour on that one thing.
0: Yeah, good point. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. sharpen
1: it so I don't have to spend, you know, it's like, what are you going to do today? My my wife asked me, what are you going to do today? Oh, I'm going to send out in the shop and sharpen for six hours. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to do that. So half hour, maybe.
0: Yeah. But even a half an hour is a long time to sharpen.
1: eh, Not really. When you're my age, time goes fly goes by pretty quick.
0: Yeah, you got a football game
1: on. <laughs> well, it's very soon.
2: yeah <laughs> sure is. You'd be having the vehicle back in your garage and everything.
1: Oh it's okay. already back in the garage. Already? Oh. oh yeah, it never I haven't I haven't pulled out my power tools and set up shop in probably ten weeks. Easy. Oh.
0: Well you're Doing it at, all day.
1: I do it all day. I don't want to come home and do it. Yeah. So, good point.
0: All right, Jonas. Uh, hopefully
2: that helps. Sharpen and sharpen often or don't, but don't throw them like- <laughs> away. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> give them to us. That's right. We'll take them. No give you my problem. P.O. Box. All right. <laughs> we. What do you got for us, man? All right. This is from Mike Gitberg. Uh, Hi, guys. I recently had a walnut tree taken down, brought the log to a Sawyer, and they cut it into 4-quarter, 8-quarter, and 12-quarter boards. Wow, that's nice. I cannot air dry the boards on my property, property, so I am planning on drying them in my basement. My basement is dry and, of course, little to no airflow, air movement. After about a year, I am considering completing the drying process by putting the boards in the attic above my garage. There's sheetrock under the rafters in the attic, so there will be pl- very little air movement again. Should I be concerned with the heat in the attic adversely impacting the boards when they are completely dry? When they are not completely dry, excuse me. Uh, I live in C- Connecticut, so the attic can get well over 100 degrees in the summer. I think that's most places. Uh, thanks for any words of wisdom you might have. Mike might Gipberg. So after about a year, you're probably going to be close to where you need to be in terms of air drying for that four quarter board. But that eight quarter board and those 12 quarter boards are probably going to be still a little bit wet inside. You want to estimate and the rule of thumb is to estimate about a year's worth of air drying for four quarter and subsequent years for every four quarter added onto that. So if you're looking at eight quarter, it's still going to be wet a year after internally wet, a year after it's been air drying. Do I feel that it's safe to put in the attic? You know, it depends on the conditions. If you're telling me here no air movement? That, that might be an issue. Uh, hey, I you
1: have use, I'm sorry to interrupt, but shouldn't you be using like a fan or something like that?
0: I, I Yeah, I think so too. And I think you want to use a fan even in your basement. Uh, and you want to have those boards stickered. You want to have them weighted down. And honestly, I think the best place to do that is your basement and not your attic. So mm-hmm. uh, why? Because because putting excessive weight on your rafters, if you're trying to weigh those boards down, I don't just don't know how I feel about that.
1: I've seen some guys where, the, and again, I, I apologize for interrupting, but um, no, no, a conversation I've seen some guys there. use like straps, yep. strap them together instead of using weight.
0: Yep, absolutely. And that would definitely work. Uh, the only thing I would really be concerned about is about the lack of air movement in the attic um, and lack of air movement in the basement for that matter. You do want a little bit of air movement. And I'm, I'm talking like a box fan, a small box fan. You don't need, you know, a hurricane in, in your basement or in your attic. You know, you're not trying to move a ton of air, but you do need to have continuous air movement Um if you're trying to air dry
2: yeah and, you, and you've also got to wonder and i know nothing about drying lumber but the the change in humidity up in the attic not being consistent yeah i don't, I don't know if you're going to end up with some a lot of checking and cracking and case hardening mm-hmm. and again mm-hmm. i know nothing about drying lumber mm-hmm. i just wouldn't recommend it on top of no air movement in the
0: attic but again now w- w- let me ask you this let me put this caveat in there what if His lumber is already dry, and he puts it in the attic.
1: I think you're going to be adding humidity to it. Yeah, possibly. A lot of humidity.
0: Yeah.
1: That you normally wouldn't find inside a
0: a garage or a basement.
1: An environmentally controlled house.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he says completely dry, but man, I don't know how you would not have a lot of humidity in the attic. Yeah, I don't. I I would. And it's going to change.
2: If it rains one day or doesn't rain, you got a dry day. I mean... I don't know.
0: And that would be kind of difficult to get that lumber out there. But, okay. Let me, let me play a devil's advocate here. But again, I'm no specialist on this. What, how would that be any different? Okay. How would that be any different than say a metal building warehouse that's storing lumber? Because they have airflow. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the right. humidity
2: is probably going to be the same. Yeah. I'm just going off of what my old lumber place that closed down. He had a, he had a, uh, a kiln that he controlled the humidity and the heat and the and the, the yeah. air movement brought it out, put it in uh, barns that had doors on both sides so that he could have air movement for, throughout the entire barn. Right. And I just remember talking to him about that, and airflow was extremely important. And then the kiln was controlled heat and mm-hmm. humidity and air movement. That's all I know about it. That's why I buy mine kil- kiln dried so I don't mess it up.
0: Hmm.
2: I mean, have you? Ever- Go ahead. I was just going to say, putting it in the basement, I mean, I would just leave it down there for the X amount of years and and just keep an eye on it, if it were me. Yeah,
0: Yeah. moving it would, well, and I don't know, he might need his basement. (laughs) His bonus room might be in his basement. I don't know. Yeah, air movement is important.
1: I I wish I could offer some pearls of wisdom, but... I know absolutely nothing about drying wood. <laughs>
2: yeah, I know even less than again, that. Again,
1: if I want lumber, I pick up the phone and I call my friend Carrie at Frank Miller Lumber. I say, hey, Carrie, I need this. When can I have it delivered? And he'll say, Tuesday. And they show up at my house. <laughs> so, I, I've, again, I, I don't have anything, any advice I offer will probably be wrong.
2: Okay. Well, I would consult someone that has a kiln. Mm, yeah. But I'm gonna say no on the attic.
0: That's just I wouldn't. Yeah, I would probably. I would, just probably, in the basement.
1: I would I say just no on the attic too. Yeah, I would
0: just leave in the basement. Yeah.
1: So, well, maybe Mama isn't happy with piles of lumber in the basement. Maybe
0: so. <laughs> maybe, so. maybe it is. Maybe it is actually a bonus room. Well, uh, I think that's gonna put us into uh, our sponsor. This week, uh, I wanted to let everybody know that this episode is brought to you by Shaper Tools, makers of Shaper Origin. Shaper Origin is an intuitive handheld CNC router that brings digital precision to the craft of woodworking. Working with Origin is simple. You simply steer the Origin while it makes the necessary real-time adjustments to ensure clear, accurate results. With its easy-to-use touch touchscreen interface. You can quickly create designs on the spot or upload existing project plans. It's small enough that you can use Origin in the shop or you can take it to your job site. With Origin, traditional workflows become easier and more reliable, tackle joinery, cabinetry, hardware installation, and more with speed and precision. Learn more about Shaper Origin at shapertools.com forward slash woodshop. As an added bonus, you can try it risk-free in your shop. For 30 days, upgrade your workshop today at shapertools.com forward slash woodshop. All right, we're back. Uh, Coming back around again to Guy's second question.
1: All right. Uh, This comes from Bob. And Bob says or asks, my question today is on handling full three quarter inch plywood sheets from the store to the shop. I have not built much carcass-based projects as I've been a little too impatient to get everything square, then find myself disappointed in the outcome. As I approach six decades on Earth, I, I feel your pain there. I find myself slowing down, and I definitely feel your pain there, and enjoying the craft a little bit more leisurely instead of a to-do list and punching a task list as a complete approach. That being said, I have built two pop projects now out of plywood starting with full four by eight sheets and they have been fun challenges, but I find myself not planning another project because of the challenges of getting a four by eight sheet, a three quarter ply to my shop. It seems like plywood has gotten one pound heavier every year that I have. Aged. I like Again, that. I feel your pain, man. I enjoy solo woodworking the shop. So it's not really easy to get somebody to help me go to the big box store and load a single sheet of plywood. I was wondering what some of the tricks and tips you guys use for handling big, heavy sheets. I use the foam board insulation as a backer when breaking it down into panels, and I use a cheap cordless circular saw with a homemade fence. It's cheap and slow, but that part works fine. I have one of the handle things, I think they call it like a gorilla gripper or something like that, that you hook under the plywood to carry it with a handle, but that doesn't make the plywood any, any lighter. I do have a utility trailer, so hauling it isn't a problem. Any other tips, tricks, or tools you would recommend for heavy sheet goods? Thanks, Bob. Okay, Bob, I'm going to tell you how I get plywood, other than calling my friends from Frank, <laughs> Polo, Frank <Miller. laughs> which is usually what I do. But if I just need like a single sheet or I need a couple sheets, of MD, especially MDF, when I'm working on some veneer projects, I tend to use a lot of MDF. Um. Those things weigh twice as much as plywood does. Mm
0: -hmm. So
1: typically what I'll do is I I like to get my stuff at Home Depot. I'm not a big Lowe's person. I don't like the quality of their plywood there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nothing against Lowe's, but I just don't like the quality of their plywood. So I usually go to Home Depot. I like to get the flat carts, not the carts. You stand the sheet up
0: Mm -hmm. and
1: down and like, you know, or vertically Mm-hmm. Where you have these carts that they're horizontal, and I'll usually I, I'm not going to grab the stuff by myself. I'll always find somebody. Sometimes you have to wait, and sometimes you have to look around, but you can grab somebody and have them put the stuff on your cart. I go mm. through the checkout and I put it on those carts because then I can just push it off the cart right into the bed of my truck, I don't have to pick it up. Yep, yeah. makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So I so push my- in,
1: I push into the bed of my truck.
0: Yeah. So my process, I have I have a I'm not uh, done yet. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm
1: going, I'm going through the whole process, sweet. <laughs> I can interrupt you, but you cannot interrupt me. Got it. <laughs> so I'll get it home and again, I don't lift anything. I know I'm gonna cut off a factory edge, anyways. So, I'll take it out of the truck and I'll stand it up and then lay it down long ways, not flat, but on an edge, and I'll drag it across the concrete into my garage. Mm. Where I stand, then I flip it up and stand it up, and I've got a place where I stack it against the wall. It's actually against my furnace. Where I stack it against there. At any time I need it, all I do is. Pull a sheet out and then drop it right on my assembly table, pick it up and slide it right on the thing. I mm-hmm. I move my plywood around with ever having without ever having to lift it. Does that make sense? Yep. Yep. At work, really nice. I just go, hey, you guys over there, <laughs> I need some of that plywood on that saw, and they they do it for me because it's <laughs> not old and frail.
2: Young whippersnappers.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I'm more than happy to do it. All right, Hui. What do you do?
0: So I go to Worthwood Group and pick up my uh, plywood, and they come over with a forklift and they put it on my tra- on the back of my trailer. <laughs> then when I get it home, I actually um, I use um, I back my trailer up to my garage and I use uh, what is it the not Bora centipede. You know what I'm talking about, Sean? Yep. The, you know, centipede. the centipede. Yeah. And I get help from my neighbor to...
2: We, we may want to explain what that is.
0: I mean, I know what it is. Oh, but... uh, centipede. It's sort of an accordion-looking type uh, workbench. work. those,
1: oh, like, um, awnings that pop up real quick.
0: Yeah, like a pop-up awning. Fold, yep. fold up thing. It's amazing. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, I do, too. And uh, I back up my trailer, and then... I do have either my wife or a friend or a neighbor help me unload the trailer. So we t- grab it on either side and then slip it and slide it onto the uh, workbench cuz it the workbench, sorry my dogs are barking. My workbench is uh the centipede is a little bit taller than my trailer. So, but it's it's relatively easy to get off, you know. I've done it by myself by sliding one corner on and then sp- sliding the other corner on and then you know shimmying it that way. Yeah. John, you do like, similar? Yeah, I do.
2: Um, I like to buy the the cheapest, crappiest plywood. It's so light. Uh, but no, they, they, the place I get my lumber from, they bring it out on a fork, truff, fork, fork lift, and I throw it in the back of the truck straight off of the pile, slide it in the back, uh, back the truck up to the garage, and then slide the sheet off and directly onto my floor so I'm not lifting it. And then I just scoot it across the floor. Um, and before I got the centipede, when I needed it, I would just drop it on a, uh, a sheet of foam, uh, make the cuts into smaller pieces. But now that I've got the centipede, I am struggling a little bit on lifting it up and putting it on the centipede. So once I, it's off the forklift in the truck slid off the truck on edge, slid it in my garage where I got the, you know, the finished floor. So it slides very well. Uh, now I use the gorilla grip to lift it just a little bit, tilt it over my centipede and then lay it there on top of a piece of foam and make my cuts. So I don't do much lifting I slide it. I don't know I don't care that it damages the edge. I got to cut the edge anyway so yeah
1: that's why I look at it. And anything I can do to use leverage to my advantage, I'm going to. Mm, yeah so I I tend to do that with plywood. Uh, one of the guys at work, the, the guy I work with Eric, he for some reason he thinks he's Mr. Macho. And he'll go over there, and he's about my height, which is like six one, six two, 6'2". And, you know, we've got pretty big wingspans. So he actually picks the, the plywood up and holds it over his head and walks around with it. It's like, Gosh. Oh, oh yeah. Awesome. But we also get Garnica plywood. Which is? very it's, it's fairly expensive stuff, but it's half the weight of Columbia Forest products. Really? It's oh, very lightweight. Yeah, but it's very good. So that's typically what we get is Garnica. Um, gotcha. Okay. It is lighter. But uh, at home, like I said, I just, I slide the stuff around. I slide it and use leverage. Is the best thing you can do. I, anything I can do not to pick something up, I'm going to.
0: Gotcha. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I still pick up stuff.
1: Yeah, well, you're, you're, you're you're a young stud.
0: <laughs> he likes the challenge. Sure, I'm getting old.
1: I don't have to prove anything.
0: Yeah, I agree. Me neither. I don't want to be picking up any stuff anymore.
2: <laughs>
0: All right, so All right. is it on on to me? Yep, you got the next one, man. Okay, this is
2: from Mark. Hey, fellows, hope this finds you well. I've come into a workbench that needs some TLC. I'd like to rehab it if I can. It has a solid steel tube base, clearly store-bought, with a butcher block style top that is two foot by four foot. It is laminated strips of what I believe to be maple. Sorry, my Janka hardness test machine is on the fritz, but I can't dent it with my fingernail. I've got a significant (laughs) bow from front to back across the 24-inch dimension of at least a quarter inch. What's the best approach to flatten it? I like to save the thickness as it's only about an inch and a half thick it doesn't need to be dead flat it would be a secondary work table aka a horizontal surface that collects all manners of various and assorted things thanks for all that you do and keep up the good work mark well mark i've got two fantastic resources for you if you decide to go with a or b um i've done a which is using a router sled to flatten my workbench Um, there's a pretty good spagnolo video that we talked about in here before um, just use a uh, couple pieces of plywood, the length of the bench, clamp it to the side, use a runner on top with your sl- with your router, use a surfacing bit, and flatten it that way. Um, this is if you want to get it dead flat, which you said you don't want to do. So the next option that I'm going to talk about is uh, using a hand plane. And again, I've got an excellent link for that as well that I will put in the show notes. Um, since you're only wanting to hit a few high spots, uh, determine if it's cupped or bowed using some Winding sticks to get an idea of where the high spots are, and then just hit it with the joiner plane if it's not taking off enough. Hit it with the jack plane uh, to hog away some material. Again, you said it doesn't need to be dead flat. Maybe it's fine the way that it is now, but uh, I think using winding sticks and a jack plane going across the grain diagonally and finally with the grain um, will probably get you right where you want to be. And then finally, go with the grain with your joiner plane, smooth it all out, and get a nice flat surface. Um, but again, I think that using a hand plane, since you're not wanting to get it dead flat, is going to be the way to go. I have both of these links I'll drop. One of them is SPAG, the other one is Popular Woodworking with Chris Schwarz that talks about how you can use the winding sticks, use your hand planes, hit the high spots, level it out. Uh, but I, I would say a hand plane with a, a top of that size and you're not wanting it to be dead flat, two winding sticks with a jack plane is going to get you there. I bet you can have it done in 30 to 45 minutes, depending on how flat you want it to be. Um, but that's my recommendation. I can't think of any other way that you'd want to do it other than those two, unless we and Guy have something else.
0: <laughs> nope. I would put on a good podcast, maybe one called the Woodshop Life Podcast. That's true. And uh, He likes to listen to himself. <laughs> put some wax on that joiner plane and go to town. That's what I'd do. Probably be done before the episode is over.
1: Not me, man. (laughs) Hey,
0: those
2: Rotex or whatever. whatever I'm going to,
1: what I'm going to do is I'm going to rip the thing down its middle, put it on a sled and run it through the, throw it through the thickness planer.
0: Well, there you go. And then
1: glue it it back together.
0: Look at that. (laughs) Smart man. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's actually really good. I I knew we'd get a third option out there. Yep. Yep.
1: That's what I would do. I'm not going to spend all day with a hand plane.
0: We said 30 minutes, guy. Yeah. He my want to be dead, my no.
1: ass. You're going to spend 30 minutes. You're going to be out there for hours. <laughs> you know that as well as I do. So hey, I'm not going
2: faster than others.
1: I'm not going to, I'm not going to mess with any of that. I'm just going to grab a, a circ saw. I'm going to rip it down the middle or uh, put it on the table saw, rip it down the middle, mm-hmm. put it on a piece of, it's not that big. It's two by four. Two foot yeah. by four foot. I put it on a piece of uh melamine, shim it underneath, put some hot right glue on there so it doesn't move around, send it through till I get a flat face, flip it over and do it again and then glue the two sides up.
2: Bob's your again. See? Yep. I knew there was a, a third option out there. Didn't even occur that. to me to do that. There you go. Yep. See, Mark, you get you get three answers for the price of one.
1: <laughs> Perfect. Are we charging people and I don't know maybe.
2: about it? Well, I mean, I am maybe. No, I'm just joking.
1: Uh-uh.
2: <laughs> I'll send you all your cut. All
1: right.
2: Man. Love it. All right, hope Love that it. helps Mark. Let us know what you uh what you do. Comment on this episode 103 on wherever podcasts are and let us know what you
0: do. Nice. All right, so I've got the last question this from Jesse well, and it's, it's
1: episode 104. <laughs> Is it, <laughs> no. can we go through this every week
0: <laughs> this every week. <laughs> oh, anyway, back to my question, Jesse, this is a little bit of a long one, but yeah. it's a good one. Hey guys, I've got a door construction question for you. I've been tasked with making an extra large sliding barn door for my house. The door will need to be eight foot, 10 inches tall by 48 inches wide by one and three quarter inches thick. The kicker is my shop is in the basement and I can't, what is it with everybody in the basement? Uh, (laughs) The kicker is that uh, the shop is in my basement. I can't fit the large, that large of a piece up the stairs. I have an empty room on the first floor that I can assemble and possibly use a vacuum press. My thoughts were to make an outer frame out of walnut uh, with a torsion box and interior made from a half inch ply or possibly quarter inch ply and filling that void with rigid foam. I was going to skin each side with quarter inch MDF and then veneer each side with commercial three thirty second inch walnut veneer. Some of the issues I think I will run into, this will require a 6 foot by 10 foot vacuum bag, which I would have to make. I'm not sure you'd have to make it. I think they're commercially available ones, but anyway, uh, I'm not sure if my pump can pull a bag that large down and hold. Uh, I have a 3 CFM machine or pump, and according to Joe Woodworker, a max size for that pump is 4 foot by 9 foot. After I've, I've pressed the veneer down, I have some cleanup and some sanding to do which I'm not fond of doing on the first floor. Also, there's finishing, which my only option is hard wax if I finish it inside or carry the darn thing <laughs> outside and spray it under a pop-up tent. My goodness, this is a long process. I've been thinking of instead of one large panel making a series of, uh, say, three horizontal panels, pressed and finished them, finishing them in the shop, sanding and pre-finishing, then install them to the frame with some sort of uh, 1 16th inch shadow line or maybe a brass inlay between each panel. My goodness. Or do I just scrap the idea and find a garage to assemble, sand and finish, finish in and bring it uh, to the house for install? Granted, this garage will not be climate controlled. I'm concerned about weight. I have a 200 pound max on the door hardware. I'm open to other ideas for assembly. Also, can't split door into... Two separate ones. The opening will not allow a door to rest on either side of the opening. Thanks in advance for the advice and keep up the great work with the podcast. Is this one question or like four? It, I, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to go with the very, very first question that I said. <laughs> Sorry, Jesse. But it was a long question, Jesse. You got a lot of details here, and so we appreciate that. Uh, he says I have a three CfM and according to Joe Woodworker max size for that pump is four foot by nine foot and he's looking at a six foot by ten foot vacuum bag so in my conversation with the maker of vacuum press and uh, I, I can't remember his name it's Daryl but I can't remember his last name um, I can't remember his last name but I know it's Daryl and he's the owner of vacuum press. What's that? I
1: thought it was Richard. I thought it was in the stick. I could be wrong.
0: No, Richard. Richard is microfence. Anyways. Anyways, we're talk. Anyways. <laughs> I'm
1: like so, what? <laughs> so
0: we know the owners of these companies, all right? Oh, um,
1: well, they're uh, small. They're small companies.
0: They're small companies. Yeah. My take has always been that the three three cfm pump versus the six cfm pump versus any CF, cfm pump is going to draw the same amount of vacuum. The CFM pertains to how much air it can extract from the vacuum in a certain period of time.
1: Yeah, how fast it is.
0: How fast it is. If you have a 6x10 vacuum bag, just use a shop vac to extract as much air out of the vacuum bag as possible and then attach it to your pump and you should be fine. Um, I've done that. I've done a large bag with a three CFM pump, and I've not had any issues. It pulls a vacuum, no problem. But let's talk about this construction a little bit, because I can't wrap my head around it. My thoughts were to make an outer frame walnut with a torsion box interior made made from one half inch ply or possibly quarter inch ply and filling the void with rigid foam. So I guess he's using kind of like just a torsion box. He's skinning it and everything and then filling it with rigid foam. Am I correct in this understanding? That's what it sounds like to me, but how thick?
1: This thing is saying 8 foot 10 inches tall. That's almost 9 yeah. feet tall by 4 yeah. feet wide and 1.75 inches thick.
0: Your hardware, is, your hardware is 200 pound max? Even if it was solid wood. I don't know if it would be able to support that.
1: That's huge. That's big, man.
0: One and three quarter inch thick, if it was solid hardwood, how could it, how could the hardware even support a solid door? I don't know. I, I guess that's so why smart. he's
2: trying to talk about making a torsion box and filling it with foam so it's not as foam. heavy.
0: Yeah. yeah. But then but then he runs into the issue and I think...
1: I wonder if he really get... His, they have cardboard that you can use to veneer on i know you can get it like it's like a honeycomb it's cardboard yeah it's cardboard but it's a honeycomb okay i can't remember what it's called other than cardboard but it's (laughs) it's it's rigid yeah uh and it's like a uh torsion box made out of cardboard so the 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 honeycomb is on the inside going from the front to the back and then there's a couple sheets of paper over the top the cardboard over the top of that hmm. and it acts as a torsion box I wonder if you could use that and then just veneer over the top of it I don't know enough about the stuff but yeah. this big big enemy he's he's got I'm sorry to take over the question. The, the big enemy he's got is the weight and the size.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You
1: know, it's so anything that big. It's going to have to be, I'm assuming, frame and panel. So even a frame that's nine feet tall by four feet wide and inch and three quarters thick, it's going to be pushing 100 pounds right there. Just for the, just frame. For the frame. Yeah. Just for the frame.
2: And can I ask a dumb question?
1: Yeah.
2: Why not split this into two smaller doors and use double the hardware?
1: Yeah. I for some for what
2: um, I don't know uh, anything about these type of but i sliding barn doors that I've seen I've seen two in wide openings that would give you two smaller doors easier to yeah move,
0: easier to this move right here also
1: I can't split the door into two uh, separate ones the opening will not allow the door to rest on either side of the opening so right, it's only yeah, got one side it. of the
0: opening it's only
2: one side yeah. Make the opening smaller. <laughs> Dang it! See, I thought I had a good idea there. That's why it was a dumb question.
0: Is it me, or does that the, the weight of that hardware not seem appropriate? Two hundred pounds does that not seem like really light? I mean, surely they there have been solid barn doors. I I know I've seen them. Yeah, we've
1: I mean, got some at work, and they're pretty beasty. I don't know. Yeah, what's so. The way.
0: So what hardware is he using that he has to, like, I don't understand.
1: Well, another, another option would be for, you know, for the hardware question too, is to have somebody make it.
0: Hmm. Don't
1: don't buy stuff off the shelf, go to a local fabricator and tell them what you want to do and show them a picture. And they might be able to make something out of some thicker steel um, to get a heavier weight, but that still doesn't solve his other problems. So, If he can't split
2: the door into two, because the opening will not allow a door to rest on either side of the opening, how are you going to open this then? Again, I don't know anything about these doors other than this. So it
0: would come from one side, because my guess is that it's a double door up against a wall, and so there's only he can only swing it from one side of that door. He wouldn't have access on both.
2: You say it's how big is the opening then of the doorway? Well, he's
0: saying that he wants the door to be 10 or uh, four foot wide. I know, but if he can't, if it can't, if the door will not, if the
2: opening will not allow the door to rest on either side of the opening, that means that this door is, what, half the size of the opening? How do you move it out of the way if it can't rest on either side of the opening? Unless I'm just thinking about this completely wrong. Don't they slide on a rail left and
0: right? They do. But I think all of the door is on, all the sliding portion of this opening would be on the left or the right side, depending on where the door is. In other words, there's not enough space on both sides of the double door to put um, one half of each panel. Does that make sense? So you have an opening, Uh right? That this covers. And if the opening is butt up against a wall or close to a wall, and then on the other side of that opening, there's enough space to put the sliding double door. Well, he can't go, you know, if you're, uh, as you're walking I wait, gotcha. you, you see what I'm saying? You, you can, can only slide only it one way. Correct. Ah, uh, dang it. Yeah. Hmm. That's, that's my take on it. But, but either way, I don't understand why a 200, that seems, I mean, I've seen solid double doors that are easily 200 pounds. So yeah, that seems like a very light that that does not seem like a, well, a limit. You need to find something with a, a stronger hardware.
2: What if the okay? Let's say the hardware is no longer an issue. How would you build that panel in the center
0: on this door? What would you? What would be your technique? If you well, I, I don't. He's lim, He's limited. Supposedly, he's limited on space that he can't. Um, let me see here. All First right,
1: I'm. I've been looking while you guys have been talking. I've been looking for these, this honeycomb cardboard. Yeah, and I found some at Uline, which is a packaging company, mm-hmm. and they sell four by eight sheets, four by four by eight sheets of this stuff, It holds a twenty five hundred pounds. Wow half wow, inch
2: really
1: and it goes from half inch three quarter one inch two inch and four inch thick yeah wow they use it to put between things on pallets but this is just an example I said it's a, it's like a torsion box and a four by eight sheet two inches thick weighs ten pounds oh, well. and you have to buy twenty sheets of it
0: Well, I'm just
1: saying, I'm just saying, but it's out there and it's $850. So it's $40 a sheet. If you can find somebody that's selling it individually, this is Uline. This is a company that sells cardboard boxes to businesses for shipping. So, but it's out there and it's just called honeycomb pads. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: It'll hold up to 25, 2,500 pounds. Even in its half inch variety. So, and mm-hmm. the thicker it is, the cheaper is. Oh, that's because there's less sheets of it. So, I would try to find some of this stuff,
0: huh. yeah, and I'd I would
1: veneer the center out of it with this.
0: Man, he's, he's and got I'd use quite
1: the I'd use sixteenth use 16th inch veneer minimum.
0: Yeah, I say, go with that because <laughs> I know nothing about this type of. I don't, gear. and I don't think you
1: could put it in a bag. So, no, oh, no.
0: You'd, you'd roll it.
1: I'd, I'd roll it, I'd use contact cement. Yeah, so, um, you'd probably have to use paperback veneer, but you could use paperback veneer, mm-hmm. you could use contact cement and put it down with that.
0: Mm. Okay, and
1: that would give you the feel of it.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And then from- just
1: the thought. And that uh, one sheet of that stuff, and two inch thick, weighs ten pounds.
2: Yeah, crazy. You, st- you still may be pushing it on the two hundred pounds, but I think you may you may get away with it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, that'll lighten up the field.
2: Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. yeah, and make it easier to push.
1: Yeah. Just a yeah. random thought.
2: And then use the pop up tent if you want to apply an oil based finish or spray. <laughs> like you're saying although you know
0: I, know I mean what? I don't i I don't see the problem in the way he describes doing the process of making a torsion box and then skinning it and putting I mean I don't see a problem with well,
1: that even but just, with the, I don't
0: know if that's gonna be but less if it's than it splits pounds. the
1: weight so yeah. and as far as finishing goes I would use a a, a water-based finish
0: spray finish.
1: Oh, if if he can't spray it outdoors or in his garage, just use a water-based oh, yeah. poly and and roll it on with a yeah rubber roller. It's it'll be fine. Mm. Put some shellac down first, pop the grain a little bit, and then just use water-based poly. Mm.
2: This is a tough question. There's a lot of yeah, stuff in here.
1: Yeah, there is a lot of stuff. It really starts you thinking. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. if. If you wanted to stay with the construction that you had, I, I pro- what would you suggest getting a beefier piece of hardware?
1: That in that might, case? You know, it, it really depends on what you want to do. Yeah. I think well, the door could be made lighter. I think the hardware could be gotten where it's going to be able to accommodate a heavier door, but also then you've got the, 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 the problems that, all that entails.
2: Right. Right. So Yeah. Hanging that, moving yeah. it every day, or leaving it open. Hmm. Probably been open. Yeah. Yeah, that's a tough one. Yeah.
0: Well, all right. Let's uh let's get into what each of us have going on in the shop. Guy, what do you got going on in the shop, man? Nothing. <laughs> How's work?
1: Uh it's all right. We're slowing down a little bit. We get this way maybe once or twice a year where it's just the work doesn't dry up, but it slows down quite a bit. So Picks um, up in
0: the winter, though, no?
1: It it can be spotty. Uh, Right now, I just finished this big reception desk. It was like 23 feet long. That's the the corporate uh, reception area of a bank.
0: Is the tabletop veneered or was that? No, uh, it's solid. It's solid. Oh my! It's
1: it's it's an inch thick. Wow! Wow! That's we totally. used ten sheets of of plywood for the rest of it. Nice. There's three big, one big cabinet and two small cabinets. They had these weird locks on it that I've never used before. That were a real pain in the ass to install. Um. But there was also a, a what they call the transaction counter that's like this black thing that goes over the front and it's got lights underneath, so I could put lights underneath there. The, the real challenge was this thing had to be assembled on site. Ooh. Because it's got to go up a freight elevator. It's a sixth floor. Hmm. So wow. that was fun. And then I've been working on these lecterns for a local college here that i'm finishing up now that's about it that that uh big desk has been taking up all our time so
0: it's about it well nice all right sean what do you got man um
2: nothing i uh really yeah nothing still Mm -hmm. waiting on some lumber to dry in a kiln um before i start on Probably my next piece. Um, And that's going to be a couple more weeks. I've been working on this. I talked about Raspberry Pi projects. Well, it turns out the only one that I had lying around that wasn't being used was a Raspberry Pi Zero. But like a dummy, I bought the ones that didn't have the wireless on it. Yeah. So what I thought Hmm. was a savings of a dollar back in the day Uh, turns out to be useless devices that I can't use for this project oh, you
1: can so. you can find raspberry pies for just 150 dollars.
2: oh yeah and i will not pay that for a six dollar nope. pie
1: <laughs> so
2: nope. i've been uh been working on some other stuff i can't remember think of the name of it um the name of the board but it's a esp32 or something like that it has wi-fi built in eight megabytes of memory so i've been limited on what i can put on it but it's been pretty fun Nothing. Yeah,
1: there's a bunch of those different ESP32 boards. I use a lot of the 8266 Node MCU boards. Mm-hmm. For lighting. <laughs> so
0: so a used, bunch of nerds.
2: Yeah, nerds. nerds.
1: Yeah, but
2: okay. it's it's been fun. Limitations of uh, the board have been interesting. Um, yeah, I used uh, on this. I used um, MicroPython. But anyways, enough of that nerd stuff. Um,
1: Real quick, have you have you tried? There's a lot of code out there already for Arduino boards, and those are plentiful.
2: Yeah, I have looked around. I like I like the um, being able to use Python, and I think that I don't think that you can use Python with Arduino, so I just stuck with I these know. boards because I like I like programming in Python, and and uh, this this board here fit the bill. But that's the only reason why I chose it.
1: I don't know. I don't know how to code. I just use other code. Other people have written. Oh, I don't get me wrong. I do too. It just makes it easier <laughs> to edit. <It's> <laughs> <laughs>
0: but no, that's all I got going on. What about you, Hui? Well, I've been working on this coffee table repair for uh, a local client. And she, uh, it was made, this table was made by her grandfather and he purposely made it look weathered and withered. And then her puppy made it even look more weathered and withered by chewing the corners on all four corners. And so she asked me to remake the top and the top has a glass insert. It's a fairly simple frame and panel construction and then uh, an apron on it. Um, But in doing so, because I've got this brand new wood that is not weathered, I told her I can't make it look weathered. But I can sand down the base assembly and make the base and the top look the same. So that's what I've been doing: is sanding, rebuilding the top, sanding it, refinishing it. I guess technically not refinishing it because I'm not trying to reestablish any um, finish. I'm putting a new finish on it. So, and then uh, I bought red oak for uh, yeah. a dining table. <laughs> I still have it's never a used it at red It's oak. stained. It's stained, so it's sta- red oak yeah. stains well. Um, but you so gotta
1: work I, with it first.
0: Yeah, I understand. <laughs> so I bought the red oak uh, for a client's table uh, this week, and I am not a woodturner. So I had convinced her to allow me to buy table legs for her from Osborne. Have you ever bought from Osborne? Yeah, you guys. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I bought uh, red oak legs for her for her dining why, why red oak? Uh, because it stains well, and she wants it stained. Use ash. I can't get ash. No. So Use red oak. I got red oak. <laughs> Well, I think this wraps up the show. Please remember this podcast is here to answer questions from the woodworking community. So if you have woodworking questions and we need your woodworking questions, please send them through the podcast contact page at woodshoplifepodcast.com or you can DM us through Instagram at woodshoplife. We would like to thank everyone who has left us a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps us in the search rankings. And of course, we truly appreciate your support and the feedback. And you can reach me at alabamawoodworker.com. All the links to my social media are my website. Guy, where can we find you?
1: Uh, just search for Guy's Wood Shop, and you should be able to find me.
2: And Sean? At Simple Cove on uh, Instagram.
0: All right. All right, guys. Thank you very much. And we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. All
1: right. See you. See you. Mm-hmm. See
0: you.